If someone would give you a nickname indicative of your personality, what would it be? What nickname or adjective would sum up who you really are? We do that same sort of thing all the time. We do it for sporting teams, famous people. We do it for each other. If I mention gangrene this morning, you know it's the Jets. If I say America's team, you know it's the Cowboys. And if I say G-Min, you know it's the Giants. If I said the judge, you'd know it's Aaron Judge. Uh, if I said uh, who's Thor, you'd know it's Noah Syndergaard. If, uh, if, you, if I said squirrel, you would know it's Jeff McDonald. And if you're old enough, one of the past classics, real classics, was the refrigerator. And he was a Chicago Bears player who was huge and had 29.5 sacks. And of course, we all know who Broadway Joe is, that he was the notorious quarterback of the Jets, Joe Namath. Sometimes the nicknames fit, and sometimes they don't. In the Bible, names were often given to a person in order to reveal his character, his personality, or the destiny. For instance, Abraham means father of multitudes. Jacob means cheater. Peter means rock. Nabal means fool. And some of the women we have, Naomi, who means pleasant, or Delilah, which means sweetheart, if you like something a little more racy, how about cupcake? Uh, I'm thinking this morning of a man in the New Testament who was named for his spiritual gift. Uh, do you know who I'm talking about? Let me give you a few hints. His given name was Joseph. His parents named him Joseph. He was from the island of Cyprus. He was a great friend and the person who encouraged the man who wrote half the New Testament the Apostle Paul. Do you know who it is yet? Well, let me give you a few hints. I'll let Luke and Acts introduce you to him. He writes, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the Apostle called Barnabas. That's his name. Son of encouragement. He sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the Apostle's feet. Okay, Joseph was his given name, but he was renamed Barnabas because he had the spiritual gift of encouragement. Interestingly enough, and I didn't know this until I researched it, the, the person who has this gift is a paraclete. In Greek, uh, that's the word used in John 14, 16 for the Holy Spirit, and in 1 John 2, 1, it's used for the Lord Jesus Christ. Pretty impressive. In the first case, the word means that the Holy Spirit comes alongside us and gives us strength. And the second, in the Lord Jesus is our advocate and who speaks up in our defense. So it means to come alongside. It is the idea of coming to aid or the assistance of someone in need. It's a picture, picture a weary traveler go, going along the road and and he has a backpack that's just loading him down and his shoulders are, are bowing down his knees. He's stumbling along, barely can make it. He nearly staggers and falls. His knees are wobbly, but he keeps trying to move. So you come alongside him. You're a person of 
encouragement, a compassion, and you say, let me carry your backpack for a while, and you put it on your back, and you carry it, and you walk with them along for a while. And it's really a divine ability, a gift from God, to be able to lift the load of another person, our, our brother or sister along the way. And this is what an, an encourager does. Christians are commanded to encourage each other. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you're doing. Hebrews 3.13 reads, But encourage one another day after day. The work of load lifting is something all of us are called to perform for each other as we see the need and have the opportunity and some have the special gift of encouragement. That's a spiritual gift. And they can do it easily. It's part of their nature. They do it well. But we're all called by Christ, if we belong to him, be, to be sons and daughters of encouragement. Because we live in a world of bad news. People are sarcastic. They're mean. They do not build each other up. They tear each other down. And People need a word of encouragement, a word of hope that only a Christian can give. If an encourager comes along a Met fan at the beginning of the season and says, I believe the Mets will be in the World Series this year. They look pretty good. Well, either he's an encourager or he's out of his mind <laughs> up until this last week. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe there were a prophet. We hope. Think over your life. Who has been your encourager? We've all had these precious people in our lives, and God seems to provide them at the right time. Sometimes they are the people you expect, and sometimes you get a word of encouragement from a very unlikely person. I know a few years ago I was going through a dark time, and there was a, an encourager in this congregation that called me every night around 6 o'clock and say, how was your day, Colleen? How are you doing? And Christ is going to get you through this. You know, simple message, but it really encouraged me. And you know, he was right. Christ did get me through it. But I needed those simple words of encouragement that it would get better. And all in the Bible, there's no better example of this gift in action than Barnabas. He is exhibit A if we're looking for the person of encouragement. In fact, there are many different occasions when he used his spiritual gift and proved himself over and over to be the son of encouragement. He had a generous spirit. He was one of those behind-the-scenes people who never got his name up in lights, but he encouraged others to go on and do their best. And so they became famous and helpful to many others. This man behind the scenes who never wrote a word that we know about in the New Testament was a key factor in the lives of many of the New Testament writers because of his encouragement. As I mentioned earlier, the first story in Scripture is when we find him selling his possessions and giving his money to the church. Remember, the first church was being heavily persecuted and killed, and many of them lost their jobs. They had no income, and they were in need. So here's Barnabas. He sells all his property and gives it to the church. And, um, you know, by his actions, he encouraged others to do the same. 
And when you encourage people and they see, others see you in, as an encourager, it encourages them to encourage. It's, it's contagious. And, uh, but he, he was very generous not with not only his words of encouragement, his time, but his money. He wasn't like a certain Baptist preacher, the story that's been talked about for a while. One day he received a phone call from a woman wanting him to arrange a funeral for her dog. And she said, I've called several churches and nobody will do a funeral for my dog. They just laugh at me. And the Baptist preacher was curious and he said, ma'am, I'm curious to why you want a funeral in a church for your dog. And she said, but I love this dog. I loved him, and he was my companion, and I want a Christian funeral for him. The preacher said, that's nice, but we don't do pet funerals. And she said, but I sure loved him. I'd be willing to give $20,000 to any church who would hold a funeral for my dog. And the preacher said, oh, I didn't know your dog was Baptist. Of course we'll do it. So after, back to Barnabas, after giving money, then Barnabas sponsored a very unpopular convert. In Acts 9, we read, and when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to be a disciple. But they were afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that Paul had spoken to him, and he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. There's only one catch here. The Christians didn't have a TV or news and the internet, and they didn't know that the apostle Paul had had this miraculous conversion. They hadn't heard a word about it. And he was still, in their minds, public enemy number one, because they remembered that his reputation was killing and persecuting Christians. And they, the early church wanted nothing to do with this man who could have been coming in there as a spy or using them as an opportunity to kill all the Christians. So Barnabas talked to the apostle Paul and he listened to him and he had the gift of discernment, I guess, as well. And he vouched for Paul's authenticity as a Christian. And it must have not been easy to convince the church that this man was changed. And, but Barnabas had enough of a reputation and trust of the church in Jerusalem that they believed him. And so just on the word of Barnabas, the son of encouragement, they allowed their former enemy, the apostle Paul, to become one of them. Think of the importance of that decision to all of us today. And at, at the beginning, uh, in Acts 11, uh, that was Acts 9, and we're moving on now to Acts 11, 22 through 26. It reads, Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, which was un in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas to Antioch, who, when he came, had seen the grace of God, was glad, exhorted them all, and that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And much people was added unto the Lord. The first church was a church at Jerusalem. It was primarily Jews. They were converted to Christianity. But over in Antioch, another church sprang up, and it was mostly Gentiles. So the church at Jerusalem 
wasn't sure what to do with these Gentiles. They didn't have the faith of the Jews, and they weren't sure that they could follow Christ and be a true Christian. So what did they do? They prayed about it, and they sent Barnabas over to check it out to see if, it, if they were really following in the way of Christ. And so Barnabas then called the Apostle Paul to go with him because for some reason, Paul had gone back to Tarsus and was back home. I don't know what happened. The scripture doesn't tell us. But he again pulled the Apostle Paul into the ministry that he was doing, and they went to Antioch to see what was going on. And uh, so he, he gave a report back that this was a true church. And it was, it's interesting that at that Gentile first church is where the believers were called Christians. So Barnabas and Paul said, this place is good and we're going to stay a while and help them out. But in Acts 13, we see that the church at Antioch had certain uh, prophets and teachers. And it reads, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I've called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So... Next, we see this church at Antioch, this Gentile church, wanted to reach out and form other churches and spread the gospel beyond their borders. So they prayed, who should we send? And they felt the Holy Spirit said, send Barnabas and Paul. So here we are, Barnabas and Paul. Barnabas, the leader, Antioch church had pronounced him that, and Saul was going out with him to, for the first missionary team. So, but at some point, the leadership changed because Paul was powerful, and I guess he took over the, as leader of the team. And then we start seeing the scripture talk about Paul and Barnabas. And now here, look at this. This is another testament to who Barnabas was. How would you feel if you were the leader and suddenly you flipped? Well, he supported it. He did not demand his own authority because in his heart, in his nature, he existed to help others accomplish their ministry. God used Barnabas to bring others to their full capacity in ministry. We see him doing that again and again. And this mentoring of the weaker brothers caused a little uh, conflict between intention between him regarding to Paul and John Mark. Because in Acts 13 and 15, as we move along in Acts, we see Barnabas at work again. Because we know that Paul and Barnabas took John Mark, that was sort of the sermon last week if you were here, with them on the mission trip. But something happened, and we went into a few reasons it could have happened. John Mark turned back, and Paul said he deserted them. And so Barnabas said, well, we're going on this second missionary journey. Let's take this guy. He's changed. Let's give him another chance. And Paul said, absolutely not. And so they had a sharp argument, a dissension. You think church arguments are new. Here's this first church, century church having their conflicts. But look at God in them because they split. They came back together later, but they split at that point. And, and Paul took Silas, and Barnabas took John Mark. And of course, uh, 
what would been what would the New Testament be like without John Mark, who wrote the first gospel and who uh, mentored maybe Matthew and Luke in writing theirs? And so again, we see Barnabas not pointing the highlight at himself, but pushing others, helping others to become the leaders they are called to be. And if we're Christian leaders, that's our call too. We're not just to develop our own gifts, but we're called to help others develop their gifts. Think about what baseball would have been like if it was not for an encourager in 1947. His name was Branch Rickey, and he signed a young man for this amount of money. Think about what the players get these days. He signed a young man for $600 a month with a $3,500 signing bonus. This young man that he signed was Jackie Robinson. And uh, he, he, this young man uh, experienced his share of rejection and people not liking him because he was black. But he broke the color barrier with the help of Branch Rickey. And he, even though he received lots of threats and spikes when he was running bases, he hung in there with Ricky's encouragement. And they won the World Series in 1947, first year he played. And he is now in the, at the first black athlete introduced into the Cooperstown Hall of Fame. And because an encourager, Branch Ricky, stood beside him during that time and encouraged him to hang in there during the tough times. And during the course of history, some great things that have happened that might not have happened if it were not for some unknown, uh, obscure person like Barnabas. We don't have a single recorded word that he wrote in the New Testament, but his life was very significant in the early church. And to all of us, do you know someone like Barnabas? I bet you do. Maybe you are a Barnabas, a person of compassion and encouragement who could befriend and believe in just about anybody. We need men and women like this in our church. Barnabas never pinned a gospel, but he was helping disciple, encourage, form character in everyone around him. He models a life of encouragement for every Christian. All of us need to find a way to be more like Barnabas, the ultimate encourager. As to be an encourager is an honor in God's book, and it's very Christ-like. The result was most of his key friends in the scripture, most of Barnabas's key friends are better known than he is, and that was okay with him because the whole family of God is richer because of it. Barnabas was a great encourager because he learned it from the master encourager, Jesus Christ. When you study the life of Christ, you see him encouraging people constantly, physically, emotionally, spiritually. His encouragement is at work in you right now or you wouldn't be here. His encouragement in you and through you will yield eternal results. Remember, Jesus saw the good in the woman who was an adulteress. He saw the good in Zacchaeus, that little man everyone loved to hate. He saw the good in Matthew, the man 
that all the Jewish people hated because he was a tax collector from Rome. He saw the good in the thief on the cross. Most of all, he saw the good in you. This week, think about it and thank God for those who have been your encouragers and ask the Lord, who can you encourage? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus who came and saved us and encouraged us and still does in every way when we turn to him, who lives in us if we belong to him and who wants to express his gift of encouragement and love through us. God, we thank you for every person here that has been encouraged and we thank you for every encourager here. Fire our gifts up, God, how we need it in this world, how we need to shine for you and make a difference. And we know if we ask you, you will do it in us and through us. We thank you for that. Bless each person's here, and we thank you that we can be here together today and worship you. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.